2: Just to give you a heads up, one of us is bound to say something not suitable for little ears. It is, after all, the one hour a day I spend away from my children. Welcome to Mom and Daughter Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, March 10th, the Russian Roots Conundrum. I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the homeschool and family travel blog, Dutch Dutch Goose. I'm the mom to three littles, Henry, who's nine, Oliver, who's seven, and Teddy, who's five, and we live in Colorado Springs, Colorado.
0: I'm Jamila Lemieux, a writer, contributor to Slate's Care and Feeding Parenting column, and mom to Naima, who's just about nine. No, really, I've been saying it forever, but she is. And we live in Los Angeles, California.
3: I'm Zach Rosen. I live in Detroit with my family. I host the Best Advice Show podcast. My daughter, Noah, is four, and my son, Ami, is one.
0: So we have a very exciting announcement for you all. If you tuned into last week's show, you heard our longtime host, Dan Hua, rest in peace, announced that he's formally stepping back from mom and dad are fighting. His daughters are getting a little bit too old and it was time for him to move on. But the good news is that we're going to keep our beloved Zach permanently as our third host. Woohoo. He's mm-hmm. something that we're really excited about, and we've gotten a lot of messages from listeners asking for this, so we know that a lot of you all will be excited too. and hopefully you're excited, Zach.
3: I'm so excited, and the, the listeners who you got messages from, it, it was just probably my mom, right. <laughs>
2: We had a flurry of emails, especially after Dan's announcement last week, just saying that they hope that you stayed on with us because they're so excited, I think, to get to know more about your family. And you have this very um, just like calm aura about you, (laughs) I think, even when you're telling stories that um, all of us can relate to about kind of the chaos of parenting.
3: Oh, thank you so much. I mean, honestly, this is such a huge honor. I have built my career around asking other people what they think. So it's like really a, a muscle that I'm developing trying to figure out what the heck it is that I think. And it's so fun uh, dishing with you YouTube because I feel like I'm in such good hands and you give me so much to think about each and every week.
2: Well, Zach, you've been around for a few months, but for your first episode as a permanent co-host, we've got a listener with family ties to Russia who's seeking advice on how to explain to her young children the invasion of Ukraine and how to help them handle the schoolyard teasing. Then, how to keep your toddler entertained in the stroller on the way to school. This family is looking to up their game on the 25-minute walk to school. And on Slate Plus, we're talking about one silly or serious thing that we should implement to make parents' lives better. We'll weigh in with our ideas. But before we get into all that goodness, we wanted to share this email from a listener.
1: Hi, Mom and Dad. Listening to you all talk about emotions, I have a daughter who's 10 and very much a tween. I just found an awesome book called How to Hug a Porcupine. For kids 8 through 12, it's really helpful. Thanks a lot for the podcast.
2: Thanks so much for this. I actually already checked the book out from the library because <laughs> How to Hug a Porcupine sounds like exactly what I'm headed towards. <laughs> <laughs> so I appreciate the recommendation. Listeners, you can always write to us with updates, questions, or even your own advice. You can email us at at slate.com. Okay, let's move on to some parenting stories from our week. Zach, as our newest host, do you want to start?
3: Sure, yeah. So I got back from vacation couple days ago and we took two weeks off. I don't remember the last time I had a two-week vacation and this is the first time we did a big vacation like this with both kids. So I told the story of arriving safely after a lot of craziness um, in Arizona and like after a couple days I just found myself Like, being okay with not responding to work emails. And, like, it just took a little bit of practice to disentangle my work self from my family self. And, like, it just got to the point where I was so happy just being with my family in a way that I had never been before. Because when we're home, there's always like, you know, the pile of laundry that needs to get done or the dishes or like the next meal or like just logistic shit. And like we planned a really chill vacation where we were just hanging out with family and friends and there was so few obligations, uh, you know, on vacation. And then I also just didn't have to work for those two weeks. And I was just like, this is like the best, I don't think I've ever been as happy as I was on this trip with my family. My daughter slept in the room, in our room with us cause there wasn't um, another room for her. Um, and it was just like the coziest, like nightly slumber parties with her. My son was doing so well. And it was just this kind of sense of ever present gratitude throughout the whole the whole week, I kept waiting for, like, some <laughs> drama to go down, um, and we just lucked out. Like, no one got sick. Um, you know, Ami had an ear infection on the way there, but he he recovered pretty quickly, and then on the on the plane ride home, Ami finally fell asleep in my arms, and I was just sitting there, and Shira was sleeping, and Ami was sleeping, and Noah was sleeping, and I got to watch, like, a little bit of, actually, a good, a good amount of that Anthony Bourdain documentary road runner. And there's this moment in it where he's talking to one of his heroes, Iggy pop on the beach. And he asks Iggy pop, like, like what's like the most thrilling thing in your life? Like, what do you do to really like find thrill? And Iggy pop looks at him and he said, being loved. He goes like the biggest thrill is being loved and appreciating the people are giving that to me and it it was just this moment where i was like oh my god yeah like this is what it's all about thanks thanks ziggy pop you right on man and it was like this is the sappiest uh the sappiest triumph i've shared on this show but like i just felt so lucky to just be a person who has the privilege to take a vacation and not worry about work and just who's in love with his family and i feel okay now about being back because we had two weeks and it was like enough time to really just feel it all. So sap city, but.
2: No, that's awesome. I love that. I mean, I, that's one of the reasons I think I like to try to travel and just get out of the house with the kids, even just for a couple nights. Cause it seems like then at least I've left all the house stuff behind,
3: <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, it's so hard can't to do anything about the
2: laundry. Cause I'm not home.
3: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Jamila, how about you?
0: Well, I have, uh, I suppose I'm going to take this as a fail. it is a fail, um, even though I I don't feel like it could have easily been avoided. We had a pretty rough night last night. Um, Naima wasn't feeling well. Something she was eating started burning her throat, and I was getting her to gulp down water and then milk and she's like throwing up a little bit and just it's all bad. And so we have this really rough couple of hours before uh, we can finally get in the bed. You know, we're like, in fact, she's like, I'm done eating. I just want to go to bed. I just want to lay down. So I'm like, okay, let's go lay down. You know, I'll cuddle with you until you go to sleep. And she's sitting up and needing water because her throat is burning. And this goes on for quite some time. And she finally falls asleep. I put on an audiobook. book um, and, you know, I sit there with her for a while. And mind you, this incident begins while we're both eating dinner and I haven't eaten. I eat like once a day. So I'm so hungry and I'm feeling like the worst (laughs) mom in the world the whole time because I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so hungry, you know, and like, I'm so worried about her. And like, you know, I I think that I I think part of the reason she threw up is that she was upset about what was happening, you know, Um, but like, it's just awful. And so I wait until I think she's been asleep for a few minutes and I get up and I go quietly eat my dinner and I turn on TV and like. You know, there are times where Naima, I I cuddle in the bed with her until she falls asleep. And sometimes that's just it for the night. And it's like, okay, um, I'm done. I'm going to sleep. You know, I I can't do anything. And this was one of those rare nights. I was like, oh, I'm actually going to, like, watch a TV show and have a meal to myself. And, you know, while she's here. And all I heard was, mommy. You know, and she's standing there, you know, at the doorway of the living room. Like... I woke up and felt no cuddles. Oh. <laughs> and I just felt like you? the worst person because I took her cuddles away. Oh, please. And I honestly thought that she was good in sleep. I would have never taken those hmm. cuddles away if I didn't think she was completely asleep. But I I, I slipped up.
3: You did not, Tamila. Nope.
2: I, I do not accept your fail <laughs> because you have to put your own mask on first, Tamila.
3: <laughs> yes. You gotta eat. <laughs> you
2: gotta eat. Can't cuddle if you haven't eaten. <laughs> you, can, you can still feel bad about it. I'd feel bad too, but I refuse to accept that it's a fail. I think, no. I actually think it's a triumph that despite you feeling bad, you took care of yourself. <laughs> in, I totally agree. In the most agree. basic way.
3: And you thought she was sleeping.
2: Yeah. I really did.
0: Yeah.
3: I want to know what you ate and what you were watching.
0: I was watching Shameless, and I had catfish and leftover greens and some red beans. I made red beans for the first time Mm -hmm. ever.
2: I'm glad. You deserve that good food.
3: (laughs) I totally agree.
2: Plus, did you go back and cuddle? I did. Yeah, right? Yeah, okay. Yeah, win. That's a win. Yes. (laughs) I reject your fail. (laughs) <laughs> uh, well because clearly i'm the definitive source on whether you, whether you had I'll take fail. i'm an eternal optimist guys um so inspired by you guys share a lot of food related stuff i'm gonna share our new camp food related story <laughs> from the weekend so we took the boys skiing and um i've been trying to get them because we you know move around a lot and so like we're in colorado They're young enough, I want them to kind of learn to do the winter sports thing. So we decided we'd drive up to take them skiing. There's like a smaller resort that's mostly kind of green um, runs, so pretty easy. Mm -hmm. And we can get up there in about two and a half hours from here, which isn't too bad. But it means kind of leaving early in the morning, and because it's smaller... It's not in, it's not like a vale or Breckenridge or something where there's a big town. It's literally just this one building and they have a cafeteria and like a restaurant. And sometimes the food truck is open, but we normally like pack a lunch so that when people come down, we can just, the parking lot's like right there, we grab food and we just sit wherever, eat our food and try to go back up. So we were like loading the kids into the car pretty early, trying to get everybody in their snow stuff so that when we get there, we can kind of get started. And I realized that we are basically out of food because we're going to be gone for the weekend. Like we just don't have much to make sandwiches, which is what we would typically take with us. So Jeff looks in the freezer and finds, I guess, from (laughs) from the summer, we had frozen some of the like Wonder Bread hot dog rolls. (laughs) And so he's like, "Okay, I'm going to defrost these. I'm going to put peanut butter and jelly on them. Well, we didn't have any jelly, but we had lemon curd. So he puts peanut butter and lemon curd on this hot dog bun and we wrap them all up individually. And so when we get to the ski hill we stick one of these in everybody's pocket because we're like okay when we get up there then you know they're pretty smooth they're like hot dog shaped they're the perfect size mm-hmm. to kind of go in your pocket so we've been skiing for a while everybody got hungry <laughs> jeff's like hey i put a sandwich in all of your pockets and they're like what are these and jeff's like they're wonders <laughs> <And> <laughs> next thing i know the kids are like Do we have more wonders? And Jeff's like, We do have more wonders. And then they're like, This is perfect for skiing. These wonders are perfect for skiing. Jeff's like, Yes, the wonders are made for skiing. And we're just so happy that they're like eating these and we're all having a great time. Well, now they have become part of like the story that they're telling their friends. You know, like Teddy goes to school and he's like, I went skiing this weekend and we ate wonders. Like everyone (laughs) is supposed to know what these are. (laughs) And I am secretly concerned that at some point in the future, they're going to be like on a ski trip as teens you know and like we got to pack the wonders they fit in our pocket and everyone's going to be like what the heck is wonder and they're going to be like well it's a wonder bread hot dog roll with peanut butter and lemon curd that you put in your pocket
3: of course so
2: this is the culinary treat we have passed on to our children um maybe for generations to come who knows
3: i think this is fantastic and you can pack this in their lunch now too it sounds like that you've found like a good easy thrifty meal
2: they have to be like mostly sugar (laughs) 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 like we never eat white we don't have any other white bread in the house you know like the hot dog buns that's like what you get but um (laughs) i'm just like oh geez no wonder they taste good
3: (laughs) i could eat that right now that sounds kind of good and the lemon curd peanut butter combo is intriguing
0: it is i never thought about lemon and peanut butter
3: (laughs) this is going in the mom and dad uh, cookbook
2: so yes this can go <laughs> this is my contribution to the Mom and Dad cookbook this is the, the center wonder, falls. the pocket wonder <laughs> perfect for skiing oh boy i well, actually go ahead
0: had not considered how tidy a sandwich a hot dog bun could make <laughs> if you just needed a pocket i mean i guess i never thought about a pocket sandwich they're they're perfect <laughs> but that's
2: perfect yeah yes and now all of you can try wonders pocket wonders
1: Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com.
2: Let's dive into our first listener question. Take it away, Shasha.
1: Dear mom and dad, I have two kids, ages 10 and 4. Their dad, my husband, was born in Russia, but is a U.S. citizen. My in-laws live in Russia. My older daughter has been hearing some kid-level insults thrown at Russia for the past few days, following the terrible news of the invasion of Ukraine. Some kids have told her that World War III has started and Putin is threatening a nuclear attack. She's terrified. She came home today from school and announced that kids had been bad-mouthing Russia all day. She sadly said, But Baba is not cornball. Baba is her Russian grandma. She also said she was not going to play with a couple kids in the neighborhood with whom she normally plays because, well, she wouldn't say. But it was likely that they had been saying stuff about the conflict as well, either scary or offensive. I tried to reassure her that many people in Russia are against the invasion, that thousands of people have been arrested for protesting, and that her Russian family members are not supportive of the events. I did briefly explain how sanctions might affect our Russian family— To be clear, I love my in-laws, though we don't speak any shared language, and they have stayed with us for weeks and been wonderful. It's a hard conversation I have, zero clue on how to proceed with. Since my spouse is the only Russian most of our American friends and family know, he's being tokenized a lot, mostly via questions to me. What does your husband think of all this, as if he's an expert? So far, the four-year-old is unaffected and or ignorant. How should I proceed on all fronts? seriously alarmed, sad, worried.
0: Okay, so as somebody who has experienced being from a country that does bad things to people, um I think that's in a way kind of an advantage over a lot of Americans who don't see where we live as a place that has done things that are just as awful as what Russia is doing in Ukraine and then Mm. some in other parts of the world in addition to what it's done to people uh here but I think um now is the time to let your children particularly your older child know about America you know so that Mm. this is a complicated thing because You can't say that all, you know, as you've explained, it's unfair to judge Russians by what their government is doing or to assume that they're complicit with it when there's so many atrocities that have been done in the name of the United States government. And you can give your kids some of those to rattle off so that when their friends at school start talking about, well, I heard Putin is doing this. You can say, well, are you aware of what the United States has done? And You know that there are people in many parts of the world who would have equally terrible things to say about us, you know, in our Um, own country, (laughs) in our country. Right. There are black people. There are indigenous people. There are women. There are lots of people who can say that they have been um, caught under the boot of America. And I think mm-hmm. your child is your oldest is old enough to begin to understand that. And so I would let that be central to kind of what you talk to them about uh, in terms of how they engage with their friends around the subject. And beyond that, you know, um encourage them to resist being tokenized to say, Hey, I can speak for my family. I can tell you what I know, but I can't speak for all of Russia. And I don't think you would want to have to speak for all of America when somebody's been, when an unarmed person has been killed by a police officer or when, you know, the U S has dropped bombs somewhere, you know, that's not being talked about in the news right now. Um, and I don't think it's fair for you to hold, uh, My, you know, my people, uh, part of my heritage, part of my heritage to that same standard.
2: Americans have a hard time, like, thinking that you can love your country and also be against the things they're doing. Mm -hmm. I I find it so interesting because that was not the case of the people we knew in Europe. Like, they are very critical of their own government and I think have an easier time separating. Like, I can love some of the experiences and things about this country and also feel like the things they're doing are not right, which then makes it easier, you know, to understand a situation like Russia to say, like, well, we can think that the Russian government is wrong, but the people of Russia are not inherently evil. But it just seems like that's a problem Americans have. I think you had great advice. That
3: Do you, ha- This seems like such a potentially, um, like, heady time for social studies classes around the country are your kids getting anything at school right now that's been helpful at all from from teachers or
2: i was shocked how much henry was hearing about it at school honestly i mean we talk about it at home and Mm -hmm. i've pivoted some of the homeschool stuff to really make sure we like understand european geography and we understand some of the historical things that you know as much as a 10 year old can um that led up to this uh but i definitely think they're talking about it
0: yeah, Naima's come home with more information than I expected. Um, we haven't talked about it a lot yet, partially because I'm not really sure how to best talk about it. I'm thinking of managing her anxieties and, like, at what point does this become something that we absolutely have to discuss? Because you know she won't be able to avoid it. But I have been leaning on the fact that she's a little bit younger than you know the kids that are going to be getting a steady dose uh, of this at school and not having to deal with it yet. I'll admit.
3: Yeah. And then, like, in addition to the kind of, you know, geopolitics 101 conversations you're having with your 10-year-old in particular, there's also this other layer of it, of, like, the emotional stuff undergirding that. Like, you know, what is it like for you, uh, knowing that, you know, people are are calling your family, you know, this and that. Like, how, how is that making you feel? Like, are you, do you have any anxiety over this so just like basically just like setting the table to have a conversation about like what to do with perhaps what some some shame or whatever your your 10 year old is feeling you know making room to have that conversation in addition to the the politics conversation seems important
2: Mm -hmm. you know so often when we get these questions i try to come up with answers for the letter writer but one of the reasons i liked this question Is I really thought that some of the solution is for basically everyone else. And to say that as you tell your kids about this conflict, it is important that you include all the stuff that Jamila talked about so that they understand that, you know, countries in general do bad things. People in general are not all good, all bad. They do bad things. But also that the words you choose... Do not villainize the individuals in Russia because you don't know what your kids are going to turn around and say. And if you make it an all or nothing to them, they're going to believe that if they meet someone from Russia that they are a bad person, right? Mm-hmm. And and I just think that's kind of how we get into a lot of these problems. Um, so just it made me really think about like choosing my words when I'm explaining this and explaining like that there are governments that are doing these things and that there are people, even people who are going into battle or to fight that may not completely understand the situation, that are facing their own challenges at home, um, that you can both condemn the action when talking to your kids, but also be empathetic to all the people involved. I mean, one of the things Henry sort of asked us was, we were talking about how, NATO is using sanctions and that we're basically trying to, you know, avoid getting involved in certain ways, but it's it's super complicated. I say that to Henry a lot. It's really complicated. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to answer your questions, but I don't really totally understand everything, but that the sanctions are also going to hurt the people of Russia who are protesting and are, you know, not consenting to a lot of this behavior, um, and I think then again, you can compare it to the U.S. government doing stuff that you don't necessarily agree with. Right. But you have very little control over. And the Russian citizens have even less control. Right. Like they don't necessarily have the opportunity for a, a free election as much as elections here are free. Right. Um, I, I think that this is an opportunity to tell your kids that things are complicated. Like we tend to try to really simplify things for them. And I think a lot of the the problems we're kind of in in the U.S. is because we simplified and tried to say like, well, there's good and bad, mm-hmm. and to say like, well, no, there are things that are in hit like invading someone's country is bad, right? right. Um, but we can understand that there are other things at play that are complicated that led to these these decisions. So they don't think of it that way, and hopefully, then don't turn around and say to a student who says like, well, my, you know grandmother is in Russia they don't make fun of them but say like I hope your grandmother's okay you know I I feel like that should if our reaction was that as opposed to like well she deserves this or you're mm-hmm. a terrible person we'd be in a very different situation
3: this makes me think about uh advice that Jamila gave on Thanksgiving it's something that I think about all the time this notion of like and you know the listener here is already deep into the conversation so it's not this isn't for the listener, but it's really for me and whoever else is thinking about, like, is my kid too young to start having this conversation with? And I loved what Jamila said, which is basically like, even if they might not be ready, you should start having that conversation because shielding them from it isn't going to help. And it's not, not to say you should, like, you know, lay it all on them at once, but like have tough conversations that, you know, perhaps they aren't ready for now, but... You know, you're kind of setting the table to to have difficult, complicated conversations that don't have, like you were saying, Elizabeth. You know, um, simple answers.
0: I think that's super important. You know, and I think letting your children know that you don't have all the an- answers is really important. That you you don't have to pretend to be an international, you know, politics expert or definitive moral authority. You know, you're explaining to them what you know to the best of your ability as you understand it, and that there are other perspectives that would certainly be different um, from people that are closer to the situation.
2: The other piece of advice that I've found helpful is to try to relate this to other conflicts that your kids can understand. Hmm. So talking about conflicts, they may have experienced at school or with you and conflict resolution, right? You're not saying that this is how it's going to go, but the war is essentially a, a a conflict. And so how can you relate to them w- what's happening? And, and one of the things we sort of talked about here with Henry was like, well, how does it feel when, you know, your whole class gets in trouble for something that one or two students did? And, like, what power did you feel like you had there? What are things that you can do? You know, what can we do here? Uh, what resources do we have? So focusing it that way. I, I think, too, particularly um, to this letter writer, your kids are obviously scared about a bunch of things. And, and the things that you can assure them on, you should. Like, we are keeping you as safe as we can. These are the mm-hmm. things we're doing for your grandmother. Mm-hmm. Um you know, again, don't, don't lie to them about safety. I think you're doing a nice job talking about the sanctions and, and other repercussions, but also just encouraging them um, that there are people out there that are trying to help, that you are keeping them safe, that you're like in their small microcosm, things are, are fine and that's good. I, I just the more that you can sort of, you know, I think of Maslow's like hierarchy of needs, if you could make sure they know they're safe then they're mm-hmm. open to having some of these bigger conversations. If they mm-hmm. think they're in danger, they're going to not be able to comprehend any of this because they're so scared.
3: Yeah, well said. I totally agree.
2: Okay, well, seriously, alarmed, sad, and worried. We are wishing you the best. It's a great reminder that we can all be a little bit kinder to each other. If you have a question for us, big or small, email us at slate.com. All right, Shasha, let's hear our next question.
1: Dear Mom and Dad, I'm looking for some ideas for games I can play with my almost three-year-old while I'm walking her in a stroller to and from preschool. Our commute is about 25 minutes each way, and she's in a stroller so that, one, I actually get some exercise, and two, it doesn't take us two hours. We currently sing songs and play a rudimentary version of I Spy, but I'm looking to expand my repertoire. Most of the suggestions I've found online either assume she's walking, like picking up pine cones, etc., which would only slow us down, or are probably too advanced for her, like spelling games. Any ideas? Thanks. Strolling to school.
3: First of all, good Anya for doing this 25-minute walk back and forth. I would be driving because I uh, don't want to deal with my kid trying to get out of the stroller, so this is great, and I want to help you. Through this, I have a couple of ideas um, that have sometimes worked for us. You know, my daughter is four; she's not in the stroller anymore. But uh, when she was three, we could sometimes get her in there. One thing that she took to that is a great time occupier and brain occupier is the rhyming game. Just say a word and think of the words that rhyme with it. It's super fun, and then that can that's going to help your your songwriting uh, skills too. Um, And then another one, when she is in the stroller, um, giving her the power to be the, um, the leader in a red light, green light. And so when she says red light, you stop. And then when she says green light, you go really fast. And so, you know, making it a game and giving her a sense of control, like she's the one directing you and not the other way around. That sense of agency might make it a little more fun for her and make her feel less infantilized by sitting in a stroller. Then the third thing, this isn't a game, but it's something that we bought a couple years ago. It's called a glider board, and it attaches to a stroller, and it's like this this platform uh, behind the stroller. So your kid could actually like stand up between you and the stroller. So they're kind of just you know hovering above the, the sidewalk with you pushing them. And that's kind of fun. That's like, you know, practice skateboarding. And my only critique of the, the baby jogger glider board that we have is that it comes out a little bit too far to where you kind of have to like reach for the handlebars and like stick your like pelvis back a bit. So it's not like the most comfortable. But if you if they're on the glider board, you can actually stand to the side of your stroller um, and kind of, you know, push it with your your right or left arm.
2: Okay, does your handle on the baby jogger come out?
3: Not far enough.
2: Okay, because I put my third... We don't do this anymore, but the kid riding would go between, like, under the handlebar. Mm. So it was, like, back of the stroller, kid, and then me holding the handle.
3: I don't think um, th- there's enough room in the handlebar on our particular... Uh, yeah, I don't... Ours is what, was,
2: like, the inline baby jogger, but it uh-huh. was the double. Oh, uh-huh. And the handle telescoped, and so you could put the third... <laughs> Between the hands, that's brilliant because that is a problem. That's a problem on the bob, too, with the glider board. But yeah, but I'm I I endorse the glider board, I think it's, it's a great investment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wish I had
0: more to add. I definitely thought about Red Light, Green Light, um, which was one of Naima's favorite games when we were, um, when she was toddling around. Uh, I'd also add, I don't know if your little one is quite ready for this yet, but imaginative play, like taking on characters. So pretend that you're the mom and I'm the little one and you're pushing me, you know, um, or you can act out something from a TV show. My daughters always loved doing that and making me pretend to be a cartoon character or some character that she's made up. It could be someone from a storybook, um, but that kind of imaginative play uh, could be fun. You could also do some storytelling, you know, um, maybe a story that you all tell together. So you, you know, once upon a time, there was a little girl that went to the,
1: mm-hmm. you
0: know, and giving um, yeah. a little person the opportunity to fill in the blanks, kind of like Mad Libs and tell a silly story. That could I like
3: that. I think
2: those are, those are great suggestions. I think just remember that, that, The reason that your kid likes to play a game with you is it's something you're doing together. And so their part in the game playing doesn't have to be much. Like if they're amused by what you're doing, then it's a good enough game. So things like that with the story where you start out with them just suggesting one word. And then eventually, you know, as they get older, they're going to suggest more things or want to change the story. Any of the silly things they do on Bluey, you can do in the stroller. And I highly recommend if you're not watching Bluey, go watch Bluey. It'll give you a million Hmm. Ideas. Um, One of our favorite games to play, which we've been playing for a long time, is where um, the kid chooses a letter and then you are going to describe something that starts with that letter that they would know. And so, for example, if my if Teddy still likes to do this, but of course we can use he's five, we can use much harder things. But if he said like letter C or if she doesn't know all her letters, you can just suggest kind of the letter because you're going to give clues. Like if it was C, you would say like, this is an animal with a long tail. Maybe you have one, you know, so and so is this animal. And they're going to say cat. And you're like, yes, cat starts with C. And then you can do something else. But you can tailor the game such that they have to know very little because you're giving great clues. And eventually what happens now is that, you know, Teddy is describing things to me to try to guess, which is hysterical because there are a lot of letters that make the same sound. <laughs> so it's twice as hard when you do it that way. But I think any of those kind of games, another thing when we, when we did Stroller Strides that we used to do is that we would memorize a poem or a favorite short storybook together. And so I would have it written down, and I would basically read it, and sort of similar to the story, I would leave out one word that maybe rhymes, or the kid definitely knew. Our favorite was to do this with the Sandra Boynton, there was the hippopotamus belly button book, and we eventually memorized the whole thing. The kids thought it was so funny, and we'd say it, and they'd say their little words, and then they would start saying two words, and then they would start saying, you know, like maybe a whole page, or there were little things that they liked to say, so I think any of those, if you're already kind of playing I spy like you can also just point out things and talk about them, right? Um you could learn some signs for some animals. We used to do that like learned the sign for squirrel and the sign for bird, and then we could make those together and I'd say, like, oh, I saw a bird. I don't remember what was the sign for it And you know then they're kind of reminding you of that. Just kind of fun little things i th- I think the idea is just to keep. Engaged and in conversation and as long as they find your story or whatever you're doing amusing, you've achieved mm-hmm. your your goal.
3: And then how about just an etch a sketch? Do people still use etch a sketch? Like just clean yeah. <laughs> clean toy that's not gonna get messy. Yeah, a magnet um, Something like that. Handheld. Yeah, magnetoodle, etch a yeah, sketch, stuff like that.
2: All right. Well, strolling to school. We hope some of this helps. If you have other ideas, head over to the Slate Parenting Facebook group to share them. I know that strolling to school could use a whole bunch of tools in her toolbox. If you have a question for us, want to hear from an expert on a particular topic, or are just curious about our thoughts, please email us at slate.com or do what this listener did and post it to the Slate Parenting Group Facebook page. It's finally time for recommendations. Jamila, what are you recommending for us this week?
0: I am recommending, uh, belatedly, the Saved by the Bell reboot. (laughs) It's been on Peacock for two seasons. I was super slow to check it out, I have to admit. And it is really fun and weird and campy, as was the first one. But um, this one has a... uh, they're, they're taking an intentionally thoughtful uh, approach around race and class. And so even though some of those familiar characters from the original Saved by the Bell, like uh, Zach and Slater and Jesse, are present to some extent, um, these new kids are diverse. And it's just smarter and funnier and a very different show than the one you grew up on. But it has that little bit of... 90s nostalgia um for those of us who did watch the og saved by the bell uh it's just a really fun it's a fun show and it's a good you know it's a good kid watch
3: i heard it's really good like surprisingly good
0: uh, surprisingly good for sure
3: were you a big saved by the bell head back in the day
0: you know it's like i don't know if anyone ever actually enjoyed saved by the bell we just oh we've we've
3: seen every episode but it wasn't good
0: seen every episode the summers at the beach house
3: leon uh, his daughter stacy's sure. wedding
0: special the
2: college years all of that it was on all the time though right it was like you turn on the tv and that's what was on always on
3: totally always on. <laughs> so bad but that's good that they've improved they've evolved
2: zach what are you recommending for us
3: i'm gonna recommend another tv show better things have you watched better things
2: mm-hmm.
3: you're it's the second on- person
0: to recommend it to me in 24 hours
3: wow <laughs> it's a <Yes>. sign <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a show created by the actress Pamela Adlon. It's semi autobiographical. It's about her. She's an actress in L.A. raising three kids, pretty much on her own. And it's just like I I, I try to under I'm trying to understand like why it's so affecting, but it's very light on plot, and it's just so much about the labor she does for her family. Like so many episodes, like. a a good chunk of them are just like her cooking for the family. Um, And it's like slow, but she's hilarious. And it's so touching. Um, I think it's, it's one of my favorite shows and they're back for their fifth season right now. Um, So you can catch up. It's on Hulu um, or FX. I watch it on Hulu and uh, I think she would be a dream guest for us. Well, I'm gonna. I'm putting it out there. I think should be a out great, there. To the, great to guest the universe host. Yeah. and yeah. maybe
2: to anyone listening.
3: <laughs> yes, Pamela Adlon, we'd love to have you come on.
2: Come on the show. Um, well, that sounds like another great recommendation. I have something for the children, so you can put this on for them. So you can watch your show. This is a podcast called Melon's House Party. It's from uh, Wondery Kids, and it is about a dog. And the couch. But they sing these wonderful songs. It is um, 30 minutes long. It's probably perfect. I would say kids like 5 to 12. My All three of mine are right in the zone. And this is definitely what they have on every time they're. Playing Legos, I catch Teddy has like dance parties to the songs. It's super cute. It feels like a TV show over on a podcast, which is great because they can be doing something else. And when we play it, I don't actually mind hearing it. Like the songs are cute and catchy and fun, but not annoying. So that's Melon's house party, and you can get that wherever you get your podcasts.
3: I'm I'm subscribing now. Do I have to? Should I listen from the beginning? Yeah, I mean, you don't, it
2: is serialized, um, but each episode can also kind of stand alone. Uh, But this dog and this couch go through some, some you know, the dog can go out into the world and the couch can't, (laughs) but they, they do deal with some like bigger kind of emotional issues of feelings of jealousy and um, different things happen. The, you know, the, the couch wants to be like a better couch and (laughs) they have to kind of revisit why the couch is perfect the way it is. So it's, it's super, it's just very cute. And honestly, the music, my kids are singing it all the time and it's, it's just super fun. And they use all different kinds of genres um, of music, which is fun too. Great. Well, that's it for our show. But before you go, please subscribe to the show and leave us a review on Apple or Spotify. If you have questions for us, email us at slate.com or post it to the Slate Parenting Facebook group. Just search for Slate Parenting. This episode of Mom and Dad are Fighting is produced by Zach Rosen. For Jamila Lemieux and Zach Rosen, I'm Elizabeth Newcamp.